0: The following episode is Certified Grim for adult themes, body shaming and taboo topics and may not be suitable for all listeners.
1: Hello there and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a brother's grim tale. My name is Matthew Hughes and with me on this journey is my co-host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading...
0: The three feathers.
1: So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a
0: grim reading.
1: There was once upon a time a king who had three sons, of whom two were clever and wise, but the third did not speak much and was simple and was called the Simpleton.
0: Wow, that was his given name. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Talk about <laughs> what's it called? Nominative determinism. Is that where you act like, like what your you're name? called? Yeah.
1: Mm. When the king had become old and weak and was thinking of his end, he did not know which of his sons should inherit the kingdom after him. Mm. And then he said to them, Go forth,
0: and he who brings me the most beautiful carpet shall be king after my death. <laughs> oh, he's gone for the classic carpet test, of course. <laughs> What was I thinking? That, that's how you choose. Is there a better political system out there? <laughs> I honestly don't know. I don't know. It's the carpet test every time. Okay. And that there should
1: be no dispute amongst them. He took them outside his castle, blew three feathers in the air, and said, You shall go as they fly. One feather flew to the east, the other to the west, but the third flew straight up and did not fly far, but soon fell to the ground. And now one brother went to the right, the other to the left, and they mocked Simpleton, who was forced to stay where the third feather had fallen. That's difficult for you to say. <laughs> yeah. um, that's
0: a bit harsh, isn't it? Why does he get that one?
1: He's the Simpleton. Yeah. They're like, stupid Simpleton, you have to stay where you are because the feather's just
0: gone straight up and fallen right back down yeah. where they are. Can you imagine throwing three feathers up and then two just going whoosh, up in the opposite <laughs> directions? That's definitely how it works.
1: <laughs> he sat down and was sad. Then, all at once, he saw that there was a trap door close by the feather. Hello. He raised it up, found some steps, and went down them. And then he came to another door, knocked at it, and heard somebody inside calling.
0: Little green maiden small, hopping here and there. Hop to the door and quickly see who's there, Ribbit. Sorry, did you say Ribbit? <laughs> Maybe. Hang on a second. Hang on. Well, hang on, on now. Well, hang on now.
1: <laughs> who's this little green maiden? The door opened and he saw a great fat toad sitting and round about her a crowd of little toads. The fat toad asked what he wanted. He answered, oh, I should like to have the prettiest and finest carpet in the world. Then she called a young one and said, Little green maiden small, hop in here and there. Hop quickly and bring me the great box here. The great box? Yeah, bring my great box here. Yep. The young toad brought the box and the fat toad opened it. And gave simpleton a carpet out of it whoa so beautiful and so fine that on the earth above none could have been woven like it then he thanked her and ascended again
0: um Whew. following had he ingested anything prior to this experience <laughs> did this happen is this is real this is real this really happened. this is no, no dream whoa no crazy night he's got a magical toad carpet
1: yeah
0: <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> lucky boy <Whoa. laughs>
1: So he's got the, the most amazing carpet ever, which is what the test was. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's gone uh, back up back to the up earth to above. ground level, yeah. The other two had, however, the, the older brothers, looked on their youngest brother as so stupid that they believed he would find and bring nothing at all. Why should we give ourselves a great deal of trouble to search, said they, and got some coarse handkerchiefs from the first shepherd's wives whom they met and carried them home to the king.
0: Well, that is not... That, that's not what you asked for, guys. The most beautiful carpet. Yeah, they've... They're arrogant, Adam. Pro- he'll, be, yeah. he'll be fine with a hanky. Yeah. Uh, no. At the
1: same time, Simpleton also came back and brought his beautiful carpet. Oh. And when the king saw it, he was astonished and said, If justice be done, the kingdom belongs to the youngest. But the two others let their father have no peace and said that it was impossible that Simpleton, who lacked understanding in everything, should be king and entreated him to make a new agreement with them. Then the father said, he who brings
0: me the most beautiful ring shall inherit the kingdom. Whoa. I thought we had a deal.
1: Yeah. But the brothers, yeah, they've been battering him. Dad, for God's sake, Dad, don't give it to Simpleton. And he's relented and set up a new challenge. He really is weak. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he led the three brothers out again. And he blew the feathers into the air, uh, which they were to follow. The two eldest again went east and west, and Simpleton's feather flew straight up and fell down near the door into the earth again. So same as before. Mm -hmm. Then Simpleton went down again to the fat toad and told her that he wanted the most beautiful ring. She at once ordered her great box to be brought and gave him a ring out of it, which sparkled with jewels and was so beautiful that no goldsmith on
0: earth would have been able to make it. Whoa! Really? She's got a super box. This is this the same box? It just magically same produces box. stuff. Yes, the wow. Fat
1: Toad's magic box. Wow. Weird sentence. That's
0: very weird sentence.
1: <laughs> the two eldest laughed at Simpleton for going to seek a golden ring. They gave themselves no trouble, but knocked the nails out of an old ring from the harness of a carriage horse and took it to the king. But when Simpleton produced his golden ring, his father again
0: said, "The kingdom belongs to him." Well, yeah, because you asked for a ring, you brought him some nails. I'm starting to think these two aren't that clever.
1: Mm. Mmm. Wow. Is that the ultimate lesson we're going to be learning tonight? I certainly hope so. But the two eldest, once again, didn't cease from tormenting the king until he made a third condition and declared that the one who brought the most beautiful woman home should have the kingdom.
0: (laughs) What? what, Who for? Him? (laughs) That's a weird thing for your dad to ask you to do. Yeah. I don't do think I, he. Go not. fetch me a woman. You what, dad? Sorry. What? I just want to make sure I heard you right. He's
1: not asking them to get a woman for him. For themselves.
0: Oh, for themselves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so the carpet's for themselves? So, whoa, whoa, whoa. So the, the simpleton has now got his own beautiful carpet and a beautiful ring, and they've got hankies and nails. Yes. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> um yes, exactly. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, because it feels like he's saying, "Bring me a car." Yeah, that, well, that is what he said. Bring me a ring. <laughs> Bring me a woman. Bring me a woman. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's the idea. Though. Okay. I think it's just a test. Okay. It's not. He. He's the king. He's got everything he needs. He's near the end of his life. He just wants to like test them. Okay. He's but not, what happens when he's not saying, "Bring me the best popcorn"? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm hungry and Bring got a film ready. Bring
0: me some chocolate. <laughs> uh, but what happens to the things when? He's done with them? I I don't know. I can't help you. Okay, okay. We'll find
1: out. That's that's for the four feathers. (laughs) The next story. (laughs) I like this franchise. He again blew the three feathers into the air and they flew as before. So one east, one west. Simpleton, without more ado, went down to the fat toad and said, I am to take home the most beautiful woman. Oh, answered the toad. The most beautiful woman? She's not at hand at the moment. But you should still have her. She gave him a yellow turnip. Oh, well, that's almost the same, isn't it? It's so close. I haven't got a beautiful woman, but I've got an old Can turnip. I interest
0: you in this turnip? Well, go on man. Oh, no, no,
1: no. The yellow turnip had been hollowed out and six mice were harnessed to it. Oh,
0: I get it now. It's, I get it now. It's improving by the second. Oh, yeah.
1: Then Simpleton said quite mournfully, What am I to do with that? The toad answered, Just put one of my little toads into it. Then Simpleton seized one at random out of the circle and put it in the yellow coach. But hardly was she seated in it than she turned into a wonderfully beautiful maiden, and the turnip into a coach, and the six mice into horses. So he kissed her and drove off quickly with the horses and took her to the king. His brothers came afterwards. They had each given themselves no trouble at all to seek beautiful girls, but had brought with them the first peasant women they chanced to meet. When the king saw them, he said, After my death, the kingdom belongs to my youngest son. But the two eldest deafened the king's ears with their clamour. We cannot consent to Simpleton's being king! And demanded that the one whose wife could leap through a ring which hung in the centre of the hall should have the kingdom. They thought, Uh. the peasant women can do that easily. They're strong enough, but the delicate maiden will jump herself to death.
0: (laughs) What is going on? (laughs) What...
1: Did I lose you a yellow turnip, or are you yeah. are you alright?
0: Well, I'm not really okay. Um, they're making women jump through a ring. <laughs> that's really weird. I don't.
1: Now you know why you wanted the women. <laughs> um, yeah, that's weird, isn't that's it? It's
0: really weird. That's weird. Do you have a ring just hanging in your hall for uh, people to jump through? That would be telling. Um, but no, <laughs> it would be the answer. <laughs>
1: So you see the situation. So the king said, like, yeah, Simpleton's gonna be king. They're like, no, 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 we're gonna set up a competition. Mm. There's a ring in the middle of the hall. Make the women jump through it. And they <laughs> thought so bad. the strong peasant women will be able to do it in the delicate Little world. do they
0: know that simpleton's got a magic toad woman. The
1: aged king
0: agreed to this. So the king's like, okay. You <laughs> know <laughs> it seems sensible that's to me. Sounds fun. <laughs> that's,
1: that's a really clever system, boys. I'll, I'll just sit here
0: <laughs> with my popcorn. <laughs> And my carpet. <laughs> okay, take it away, boys. <laughs> I'm just going to rule the kingdom, sort out the taxes and stuff. You make these women you jump set through. Up a... <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: I'm doing fiscal policy.
0: <laughs>
1: oh dear. Then the two peasant women jumped and jumped through the ring, but were so stout that they fell and their coarse arms and legs broke in two.
0: So, wait, what? <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. They've
1: broken their arms and legs. And then the pretty maiden, whom Simpleton (laughs) had brought with him, sprang. And sprang (laughs) through as lightly as a deer. And all opposition had to cease. So he received the crown and has ruled wisely for a length of time. The end.
0: Well, well, what, um, yeah, what? What was that madness? Yeah, that was a, that was a mental one. That's, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) what just happened?
1: (laughs) Well, I think first thing uh, I'd like to say is one thing that's happened is we've got an excellent new ending. It's a solid addition, I think, to our ever-expanding pantheon of great endings. Okay. He received the crown and has ruled wisely for a length of time. (laughs) That may continue. It may not. We don't know. But until now, he's ruled wisely. For a length of time. For a length of time. (laughs) Technically,
0: a second or 50 years (laughs) are both lengths of time.
1: I think that's a good new ending, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think we're building up quite a collection of, uh, of decent endings as well. Can
0: you remember some of the good ones?
1: If they're not dead, they're still alive. Beautiful, That's one of my beautiful. favorites. And everybody dies. <laughs> That's the Gotta be the best. The beer ran down my mustache, but it didn't go in my mouth. <laughs> the end. That's another good one. Um, so I was thinking maybe at the end of the series, Adam, I don't know if you're up for this, we could do a, uh, if we collect a few more, we could do a great endings poll for patrons potentially.
0: Absolutely. What's the best
1: ending we've had?
0: A roundup of wrap-ups. Yeah?
1: Lovely. There you got go. it's got a title. Oh, I love, love it. it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, bearing in mind, just before that, we just heard about two stout women that jumped through a hoop and broke both their arms and both their legs. <laughs> so they're just, they are, obviously, when you break both your arms and both your legs, you can't move. So they're just writhing on the floor in yeah. agony. <laughs> And the Delicate Maiden jumps through, yeah. they're all looking up Woo! like, whoa,
1: the king's like got popcorn in his beard, like, like oh!" <laughs> what a weird tableau. So weird. But I must say, I thoroughly enjoyed that one. Me too. I think it was absolutely bananas, full of madness. I'm a fan. And I mean, I never thought I would say Fat Toad so much in my life. I'm not sure how I felt about saying Fat no. Toad so many times. It was... Made a real point of that, didn't it? it really did. Which it didn't
0: need to do, but it no. did, it
1: it did it. It's just fat shaming the toad yeah. endlessly fat Awful. shaming. But she's got one incredible box. Yeah. What an amazing box.
0: Okay. Right. I, I think we need to go back to the beginning. Right. Mm. We need to go through this step by step. So he decides this. This king decides the best way of deciding who's going to take on the kingdom is to throw up three feathers. Yeah. Now. Each time he does so, mm. they always <laughs> fly in the same directions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One to the west, one to the east, and one just straight up and down again. Yeah. Which I can't quite picture, <laughs> but anyway. So, after the first time, he stumbles across a magic fat toad with the uh, toad servants and gets him the best carpet ever. And the, the other brothers are like, what? Yeah. When it happens again... Yeah." Why don't they follow him to the hatch? Because he's clearly exactly. getting good stuff there. That's
1: exactly what I was thinking. What, yeah.
0: what are they doing? I mean,
1: ultimately, who's the simpleton? Exactly.
0: Right? Idiots. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So he's clearly the smart one. Yeah. But then, even beyond that, even beyond <laughs> that, the third time he goes in, a box has not not got what he wants. However, mm. yellow turnip. <laughs> yes. Hollowed out. Mice in there. Just pop one of the toes in there. Uh, what sorry just put one of the toads in put one of the toads in it's a carriage with yeah. horses and a beautiful maiden
1: and then he kisses her he just kisses her just kisses just her like so a
0: like, i mean a weird. few seconds ago it was really a toad. weird yeah
1: um i mean that reminded me uh we don't read ahead uh, of stories that we haven't selected but it did make me think of cinderella definitely i was gonna right? bring this up yeah the pumpkin and the mice at exactly. midnight all that business exactly and also, most obviously, perhaps, the frog king,
0: the frog prince. It's like, well, a, yes. it's like a reverse frog king. Where you, it uh, was a frog, now it's a woman, and then you kiss it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really want to take that out of context. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, and also, it's a, it's a simpleton's a guy, and the frog is a woman, whereas yeah. in the frog, so it's, all, it's the other way around. So it's, it's all reversed.
0: It's all yeah. backwards, yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah, that's
0: the story, and then and then the old uh, jumping through the hoop, political system, insane. Yeah, so it's quite a tight little story, but just yeah. um, pat lots of bonkersness in. Absolutely. One question I thought you might have. Mm-hmm. I've got a few. Oh, okay, go on then. Well, I don't know. I mean, they're mostly just what? <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, what? Your catchphrase? <laughs> yeah. Matt, what? What, Matt? I don't know. Yeah, it broke my <laughs> brain a little bit. What? Go on. What answers have we got?
1: Toad frog. So I was thinking, right. it started to bug me. We had the frog prince, or the frog king, mm. and now we've got the the, the fat toad. Yeah. So I, and I thought, well, what actually is the difference between a toad and a frog? Do you know? Because I've looked this up and it was surprising.
0: Okay, I don't, really, on like a biological level. But I think if I were to look at them, yeah. a toad would have like a lumpy back.
1: Yes. Bumpy skin.
0: Yeah. Rough, dry, bumpy
1: skin, mm-hmm. sort of stout legs. yeah. Uh, whereas frogs are sleek and smooth, uh, and they look kind of wet, and they've got long <laughs> limbs, yeah, and they hop around. Whereas toads crawl; they don't hop.
0: Right, yeah. I imagine frogs being more sort of nimble in that way. Yeah, but scientifically speaking, all toads are technically frogs. Wait, what? Yeah, Matt. Yeah, you've blown the case wide
1: open. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't handle this. Uh, they're from the Anura order. And there are apparently 3,500 living species divided into 21 families. The frog-toad split has nothing to do with species. It's based purely on superficial differences. There's nothing scientific really, like on a sort of biological level, I suppose a genetic level of the difference between a frog and a toad. It's just how they look. So that means that you could have a toad and a frog that are more closely related to each other. Than two toads. Or than two, two frogs. things that you would call a toad. Right. But yeah. they're just, they're, they're all a type of frog,
0: basically. Interesting. Yeah. Cool, isn't it? That? That's pretty cool. That's very interesting you make that point. I wonder if there is a theme in folklore with a frog being a prince and a toad being a woman?
1: Ooh, I doubt it. <laughs> so unse- like...
0: It seems unlikely, doesn't yeah. it? That's based on two examples. Well, on
1: the pattern we've got so far, that is 100% accurate. Yeah, so you can't argue with
0: that. Toads, women, frogs, men. Yeah. <laughs> this is deep analysis. It's like, like women are from Venus, men are from Mars. It's like, women are toads, <laughs> men are frogs. It sounds consulting. What he's
1: saying is it's a very outdated way of thinking. It's incredibly okay, outdated. got it. Gotcha.
0: Also... Obviously, you said Fat Toad a lot, and I, um, I did. absolutely condemn Matt for saying could that. Could only apologise. Yeah, that's awful. But is that, or is that not an okay pub name? <laughs> <laughs> I did not think that was where you were going. Is that acceptable? Because um, obviously it sounds bad if you call anything fat, but the Fat, the toad. fat toad... It's like Fat Duck is a restaurant, right? So oh, the yeah. Fat Toad could be a pub. It's, yeah. The Fat Toad.
1: I'm, I'm hearing more sort of craft beer in a can. Called the Fat Toad. Uh, okay, M- rather than a pub, rather structure. than actual like sort of you know wooden pub sign. Fat Toad. Called the Fat Toad. Okay. favourite oh, watering hole. Come on, it's, it's growing like warm into it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing will ever beat. This won't make any sense to non patrons, but in our patron only podcast, yeah. we had a fable called The Thirsty Pigeon, which I mean, we all agreed, me and Adam, that is the best. Pub name of all time. And I think we made a solemn vow that yeah. if we ever open a pub, we'd call it the Thirsty Pigeon.
0: Absolutely. That commitment still stands. That is an incredible <laughs> pub name. The Thirsty Pigeon.
1: I guess the Fat Toad is like a gastro pub. Yeah. And the Thirsty Pigeon is just your local watering hole. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
0: You don't get food there. You you get maybe a packet of crisps. <laughs> Absolute max. And pork scratching. Yeah, yeah.
1: And toad scratching.
0: While you drink a pint of sort of room temperature ale. <laughs> How beautiful can a carpet be? I mean it's a carpet. Well, you know what there, Adam. Hmm.
1: I'm going to very cleverly answer that question in a very long-winded way.
0: Oh, okay.
1: I go, go a little bit deeper. Deeper. So it might sound like I'm ignoring that question, but I'm not. I'm going to bring it back round. Okay. okay. So the magic toad helper uh, with the special box is obviously the part of the story that stands out. But the story is called The Three Feathers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not the Toad Princess. Essentially, the Brothers Grimm are drawing our attention to that by titling it this way. And this aspect really did seem to fire their imaginations. And in their annotations for the story, the Brothers Grimm have a few things to say on the idea of uh, throwing the feathers up and seeing where they land from folk culture. They write that in Bavaria, there is a common proverb among those looking to till new lands. I will blow a feather, and where it flies, I will follow. And likewise in Hess, their home region, they say there's another common expression. Which way will that man blow his feather? Whither will he go? So they found Germanic expressions that use the idea of where's the feather going to blow. They also picked up on the fact that entrusting your destiny to fate was a part of the Norwegian-Viking settlement of Iceland.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: So I'll read from their annotations here. A similar custom was observed by the discontented Norwegians who left their fatherland under Harald Fairhair and emigrated to Iceland. It frequently happened that on approaching the island, the captain threw overboard a piece of a chair which usually stood in the place of honour in the house. This fragment was adorned with the carving of the head of Thor or some other god, and the leader chose the place where it drifted to shore as the central point of tract of land of which he was about to possess himself. So, just to break that down, okay. I've, I've heard about this before.
0: Yeah. So, how does it work?
1: Well, a good way to explain it is that the, the legend behind the founding of Reykjavik, which is the capital city of Iceland, uh-huh. is that um, the first ruler of Iceland, when the ship was approaching Iceland, he chose the spot on where to establish his settlement, which became Reykjavik, by throwing overboard a part of his high seat and then where it washed ashore. That is today where we find Reykjavik. It just happened to land there. Okay. And this is an old kind of Viking thing, especially yeah. with Iceland. So the Brothers Grimm are saying uh, it's a similar custom observed by the discontented Norwegians who went to Iceland.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Well, and we laughed at the idea of carpet. Here you go. I'm getting around to the carpet now. Yeah, he's bringing it back to carpet. Um, But perhaps, hear me out on this, the carpet might be connected to the, the fates of ancient Greece and the norns of Norse mythology. They were beings who would weave your life. And weaving is associated in mythology with fate and destiny. So perhaps the king asks for the most beautiful carpet. Perhaps he's saying in a way the one with the brightest future, the best future. And it also says in the story, the toad offers a carpet more beautiful than could have been woven on earth. So it's almost like it's something spiritual, supernatural. It's your fate in a way. Yeah. So with that and the feathers, it's all very fatalistic. The story has a big dollop of the idea of entrusting yourself to fate and destiny. And as you said as well, all the feathers, they kept going the same direction every time. It's like fate and destiny I see yeah does that answer your question
0: no (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) happy to help
1: The Three Feathers appeared in the second edition of The Brothers Grimm Fairy Tales in 1819. wasn't there in the first one. The source of the story was Dorothea Veerman uh, She was descended from uh, French Huguenots that had fled from France and settled in Germany, so she was of French descent. She was the daughter of a tavern owner, married to a tailor, and that made her... Really the closest source the Grimm's had to an actual member of the working classes or the peasantry. Oh, interesting. Even though she wasn't really. Yeah. And her portrait was actually the frontispiece for the second publication of the Grimm's tales, I believe. Drawn by another Grimm brother, Ludwig. Oh. So there were, as we've found in our biography episode, there were more than the two uh, brothers Grimm's were in the fairy tales. They were part of a big family.
0: I guess, do we have an image of that like I, yeah. I mean us us we but like is there an absolutely there is Ooh, would lovely. you like to see i'd love to see yeah here it is uh this is the one wow she's more elderly than i thought she yeah would be. she's an old lady wow yeah. that's that like a beautiful drawing
1: yeah and that was the front cover of the um the second edition which does show you know how um important it was for them To show that these are stories coming from the people. So they're putting the source of a lot of their stories on the actual front cover.
0: Which I think is lovely, considering they're not putting themselves on there. (laughs) (laughs) Which would be a bit gauche, wouldn't it? So that's nice. And actually, Talented Family, that's a very good uh, illustration, isn't it? Yeah, and it's I beautiful.
1: think Ludwig ended up as a professor of art at the like art academy in Castle, oh, I well. think. I don't quite remember. Maybe I, I just need to listen to our biography episode. Yeah, um, you do. But something <laughs> <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Now, The Three Feathers appeared in the second edition because it replaced a story from the first edition. Ooh. A tale called The White Dove. Now, mm. when I said the word simpleton, there was absolutely no not even a glimmer of uh, recognition in your eyes but actually this is our third simpleton story what it's the final missing part of the simpleton trilogy
0: wait 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 (laughs) i've heard parts one and two of the simpleton trilogy you have well okay (laughs) i don't remember this clearly what's going on i don't even trust my memory what's part one and part two in the fairy tale book the order is as follows The Queen Bee Right I thought this had similarities to The Queen Bee actually
1: The Three Feathers is the second one and the final instalment of The Simpleton Trilogy is The Golden Goose
0: Right All
1: three of those stories have very similar setups and trajectories they're all stories that have three brothers the youngest is called Simpleton or Dumling and then each time simpleton wins the hand of the princess right so as i said there was originally a fourth simpleton story called the white dove but they erased it after the first edition so it's it's not a quadrilogy it's just a trilogy Tragic. would you like to hear how it goes
0: uh i would love to okay
1: real real quick the story of the white dove the missing simpleton story goes as follows Once upon a time, there was a really nice pear tree. It stood Mm. in front of the king's castle. But there's a problem. Every year, as soon as the pears are ripe, someone steals them all. (gasps) That is a problem. And they don't understand what's going on. So the king has three sons. The youngest is called Simpleton. Uh, The oldest son is ordered to guard the pear tree for a year. And he doesn't sleep for a whole year. But as (sighs) soon as the pears are ripe, he can't keep his eyes open. And he falls asleep and the pears get taken.
0: What a muppet.
1: Same happens with the second brother. Then it's Simpleton's turn. Everybody's laughing at him, but of course he stays awake and he sees that the thief is a white dove. No. Which was taking the pairs one by one uh, up to the top of a high mountain. So Simpleton follows it up to the top of the mountain. Suddenly the dove turns into a little grey man uh, who was in the Golden Goose and the Queen Bee, if you remember. There was a little grey man in What's there. Was there?
0: Yeah. I need to
1: re-listen to those episodes. Queen Bee is episode 23 and the Golden Goose is episode 33. Thank you very much. I'll be listening to those later. Little Grey Man says, Hooray! You saved me from a magic spell. Now go down to the bottom of the mountain. Simpleton goes to the bottom of the mountain. There he finds a white dove entangled in a spider's web. The white dove gets out of it, turns into a beautiful princess, and they get married and live happily ever after.
0: What? That doesn't make any sense.
1: <laughs> so I don't know why that one got the chop more than any of the others. I know
0: It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any
1: sense. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Unlike a beautiful uh, princess in a turnip, (laughs) that's fine. Uh, But yeah, it is quite similar to the other tales. So essentially each story has Simpleton beating his older brothers. The underdog winning. Mm. The humble hero defeating the brash, braggadocious, entitled brothers. Mm. But also I thought, in the trilogy, or the quadrilogy, Simpleton wins in all of those through some connection... With animals and magic. So in the Queen Bee, it's uh, the older brothers are destroying like an ant hill and stuff, and Simpleton helps the ants, or something like that, and then they come and like do all the tasks for him. That's the right. The golden goose, it's like a sticky golden goose uh, that makes the princess laugh or something. And in this one, of course, it's the fat toad. Fat toad. Now this brings us on to the most interesting part of the story. As a folk tale. The Three Feathers belongs among many stories of animal brides and animal grooms, stories of humans marrying, cavorting with animals' creatures. Lovely
0: topic, (laughs) isn't it? Okay. Come on then. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? I think so. (laughs) We're going to boo. Oh, (laughs) wow. It's been a
1: while. (laughs) And you know, that sounds weird when, when I put it like that. It certainly does. But if you think about it... I don't want to. Some of the most famous fairy tales are about just that. Sure. Most obviously, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, classic. And of course, the Frog Prince, the Frog King. Yep. There's some kind of courtship with an animal that turns into a handsome prince. Also, the Little Mermaid is really similar. She's a mythical sea creature getting involved with the prince. I think that's the general idea. I haven't read The Little Mermaid, but no, that's, that's the that. general idea. Mm-hmm. Perhaps less... Famous, but certainly well-known, are stories of selkies. Ah, yes. So these are creatures from Celtic and Nordic mythology. Essentially, they're seals who take off their seal skin and are beautiful women. And then they come on land and hook up with someone, and then they return to the sea and they put back on their seal skin. Is that what you were thinking?
0: Yeah, I had in my head it was some kind of Scottish sea monster. Kelpie. woman that's what I'm thinking of I think so yeah there's selkies and kelpies I'm thinking of kelpies Mm. and I'd also say
1: that we've seen this topic this uh, area in uh, the Grimm's already with the hare's bride yes girls about to marry a giant hare yep as in a rabbit we've also discussed the kitsune or gumiho shape-shifting seductive fox spirits found in East Asia lovely (laughs) (laughs) wow yep tick from adam with that one stories of animal human love can be found across the world and across the ages from greek egyptian indian chinese mythology all of them have stories of this right up through fairy tales and these stories involve both men and women who are enchanted animals we also have every kind of animal under the sun is found in these stories not just toads and frogs could be a monkey, tortoise, snake, dog, you name it. There's a story about animal human love with it. Tiger?
0: Yeah. I think there the was tiger's there bride. in, in we, the
1: Indian story, yeah. We read that in uh, the Fable Stable. Ah, I see. Patron only podcast, ah, yeah. Little plug. In fact, there are so many of these stories that there are over 20 ATU categories, including subcategories, that deal with this topic. That's how prolific it is. Wow. The Three Feathers belongs to ATU type 402 the animal bride animal bride these are stories where the youngest brother wins the challenge is set by his father defeating his brothers whereupon the creature that has helped him transforms into a beautiful maiden
0: hmm. interesting
1: I've read a um, fantastic book by Maria Tatar on this topic called Beauty and the Beast classic tales about animal brides and grooms from around the world and she says That there are two main trajectories of stories that have animal brides. So that's like stories we've just had, where the uh, animal turns into a bride. The first is stories of those creatures like Selkies or mermaids that come on shore to set up home with a mortal man. Either they've been seduced or they might have been abducted as well. They then have a family, but they hear the call of the wild and they abandon their family and return. To the sea the second type of animal bride is the one that has a man magically break a spell and the animal or creature turns back into a woman which is like what we've just had in the three feathers yeah so you've got one type where they are actually beasts masquerading as women and one type where they're actually women who trapped are trapped
0: like, as animals yeah yeah
1: So that's animal brides, we've just had an animal bride tale, but I get the impression that stories of animal grooms are far more common. Someone claims to have found that there are 1,500 different folk stories of animal grooms that have been collected in Europe, Asia, Africa, and North America. With animal grooms, there are two types, according to Maria Tatar. One where the beast is transformed into a handsome prince through a woman's compassion. So that's like Beauty and the Beast. Right, gets shown some love,
0: turns back into a man Frog prince or king Apart from it, that doesn't happen It's the <laughs> yeah. a sudden impact with the wall but. Yeah,
1: but that might explain why we assumed There'd be a froggy kiss Because that's yeah. how the story normally goes yeah. Through compassion, you transform them Back into a man yeah. That's why we were so surprised When she threw the frog against the wall yeah. If you haven't heard that episode, definitely listen <laughs> that, <laughs> that was mind-blowing the, the greatest mystery in literature Um, she doesn't kiss the frog so that's one type and the other type is uh, slightly more epic ones where he's transformed back into a handsome prince after the heroine goes on like an epic quest and like does magical trials to free him from enchantment perhaps the most famous example of that is the Norwegian story East of the Sun West of the Moon where the heroine effectively marries a polar bear we don't have time.
0: Okay, come and come back to that someone someday. I'd love to do, to do that one.
1: We've seen bear love before on the podcast. Oh, we have. And There's always time for more, <laughs> but not right now.
0: Okay, another time.
1: So yeah, so uh, that's kind of an overview of um, animal-human love stories. But why? Why is this? Why do we have these? Very
0: strange, right? I mean, it's really weird. It's sort of of like... Best if you don't think about it too much.
1: (laughs) Well, it's definitely taboo in society. That idea. Although, obviously, I think it's important to say that in these stories, they aren't actually an animal. They're either a human transformed into an animal or a mythical creature or god in disguise. That takes different forms. But still... It's a bit uncomfortable.
0: It's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. Did the... Was there a woman who rescued a monkey? I beg your pardon? <laughs> there was a woman who rescued a monkey in one of those stories. You just stories. said the same <laughs> thing again. <laughs> <laughs> there, uh, one for me... Uh, 1001 Nights. Oh, yeah. With a transformation chase sequence.
1: Again, that's in our patron only podcast. Oh, set, oh, this is not intentional. It's so exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> you're really missing out if you're not listening to that. So, you know, what's going on here? Well, I've, I've tried to have a look for you to kind of work out why this may be the case that we have so many of these types of stories.
0: I appreciate that.
1: I hope I've got some answers. I, I hope so too. First of all, perhaps it's something to do with desire that these stories are speaking of. Showing, like, the base nature of attraction. So the primitive, primal urges that are represented by animals. Mm-hmm. There's a sense of binary opposites in these stories as well. So if you think of Beauty and the Beast, you've got the ugly and the beautiful. Literally, Beauty and the Beast. Yep. The tame, the untame, the base, the refined rationality and intuition attraction and disgust perhaps these stories tap into the contradiction and feelings that arise with love and desire okay toad in the simpleton opposites <laughs> <laughs> perhaps also there's something of the transformative in there yeah love marriage transforms the wild into the tame or the ugly into the magnificent and special
0: absolutely love conquers all there are more theories
1: along these lines, but I, th- I thought that's probably all you can stomach. And by the look on your face, I was right. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Yeah. Um, if we consider as well that fairy tales are windows into the past, mm-hmm. they are oral stories that are told and retold down the ages. They evolve, but they also maintain remnants of the original DNA, echoes of the earliest tellings of these stories. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. And therefore, if you follow the thread to the beginning some believe including the Brothers Grimm that fairy tales contain elements of ancient religious rituals so perhaps having a profusion of marrying animal stories or people enchanted as animals reflects beliefs in shape-shifting animal deities that was believed in by different tribes and clans thousands of years ago or perhaps there's some kind of courtship ritual marriage ritual or religious ceremony, or something totemic around this. Yeah. And indeed, the oldest kind of pagan religions that we know about, say Greek mythology, there are lots of stories of um, humans and gods in an animal shape in Congress, shall we say. You can say that if you want. Does that make sense? So the oldest religions we do know about, Pagan religions, we do have stories of this kind of thing. Yeah. So perhaps going back even further, those uh, ideas are deeply embedded in their religious life. Yeah. More evidence for the idea of uh, echoes of a pagan past. The world in fairy tales is imbued with magic and animism, as we've seen, right? So yeah. inanimate objects can have agency, things can transform magic is everywhere and it doesn't even merit comment Simpleton wasn't surprised when the fat toad was getting out of the box and talking to him
0: he didn't faint and collapse (laughs) yeah No,
1: and so it is argued quite strongly by some that perhaps there's an echo of a pagan animistic past that we see evident in oral folk tales fairy tales and thus therefore so too is the animal spouse that is an echo of an old belief
0: interesting if I were to ever produce a Celtic folk album, oh, yeah, it would be called Echoes of a Pagan Past. Whoa, beautiful, right? Flying off the shelf, that would oh, be. Oh, yeah, <laughs> who's not gonna buy that? Come on, Echoes of a
1: Pagan Past <laughs> by Adam Field.
0: Yeah, wow. beautiful, right? I want to, can I pre order that? You can, you'll be waiting a while, but you can.
1: Well, I mean, one reason that that might not sell very well is uh, is because I've read that animal bride groom stories perhaps don't resonate quite so much anymore because we have a changed relationship to animals and the natural world yeah. from our forebears, and we can we can even live our lives like we are divorced from the natural world, even though we're not. It can feel like yeah. that sometimes, and also now the natural world isn't as threatening to us, it's actually something under threat from us. We feel like we have to protect nature, whereas in old times you'd have a a bear knocking at your door trying to claw your eyes out or marry you. Uh, (laughs) Either one is terrifying. And there's some suggestion that perhaps sci-fi and fantasy stories have modern versions of this tapping into the same kind of psychological stuff. Mm -hmm. So, for example, King Kong or Godzilla or in sci-fi, Ex Machina and Her... The weird, scary but often alluring
0: other that's more powerful than you. It's something from the like digital realm. In well yeah. in two of those in the yeah. in the two last films you mentioned, yeah. There you go, that's
1: uh that's our descent down the uh <laughs> the taboo. <old> rabbit hole. <laughs> taboo rabbit hole. hole. <laughs>
0: little little toad hole. <laughs> toad in the hole. There's <laughs> a toad in the hole now.
1: <laughs> I think I've broken out of Yeah. just to say this has also cemented something else for me too last month we released our first ever special episode the pie piper uh that's available uh to patrons of five dollar upwards and you can also buy the episode at payhip.com slash and i think that i'd like our next special episode to be beauty and the beast
0: Ooh, it's a big one uh-huh. it's a big one
1: it's such a famous story Animal bridegrooms are such a like big part of the folk world, and that would give us a chance as well to look at some more uh, crazy uh, stories from that world, uh, which could be quite interesting. That could be fun. So, uh, yeah. For now, though, I, I think it's high time to give our verdicts on the uh, the three
0: feathers. I think so, too. Did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it. Relatively succinct, wasn't it? It's not... Mm. Would you say it's on the... If it were to be, like, sort of short medium or long, <laughs> what would you say it is? Medium? Medium me-
1: Medium to short.
0: Medium to short, yeah. Yeah. That's how I like my story stuff. Medium short, medium rare. I uh, am a little bit uh, broken <laughs> by this episode. Would you like me to take you by the hand? Yeah, why not?
1: I can tell you the scores you gave to the other two simpleton stories, and that might help uh, guide Absolutely, you a little bit. Absolutely, yeah. So, the Queen Bee. Queen Bee, yeah you gave a 7.5 and the Golden Goose you gave
0: a 6. I would say this is between the two. Hmm. So 6.5 or 7 you're saying? 7. 7? I think a 7. What do you think? What's the logic? There's not much logic to it. It was enjoyable. I mean, again it took Several sort of unexpected turns, left turns. Carpet quest. It's a bit weird. Uh, magical toad in the hole. That's very weird. Um, women break, jumping through a hoop and breaking their arms and legs. That was really weird. I mean, <laughs> when, when... You're you only, like only
1: giving it a seven. seven <laughs> after no, listening those should be a lot that.
0: higher. Yeah, I mean, know, I say more? That's pretty Oh, that, good justification that's for That's a seven, seven. right yeah. there. Yeah, that's right a seven there. right
1: there. Yeah. What do you think stopping you going higher?
0: Um, I think the higher ones I've given are more for big epic ones. Mm. I th- Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. ones that really there's a lot to unpack. Mm-hmm. I think there was less to unpack with that one mm-hmm. which is fine sometimes you are yeah. in the mood for a strip back story about a toad woman in a turnip, so that's why it's a seven cool solid logic yeah, in, in a, <laughs> you a way can't fool that in can't a way <laughs> try and fall <fool> that back. <laughs> <in that>. um. <laughs>
1: So, a good, solid start. Yeah. I'm thinking something similar. I I thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah. I preferred it to Our Lady's Child. Interesting. If I'm honest. Yeah. Less heavy, more fun, you know? bit lighter. Uh, I think it's probably one of my favourite Simpleton stories, for the reasons you listed... However, the fat toad, I, I i didn't like constantly having to say fat toad. It's a bit unnecessary, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So that will just, that'll just knock okay. it down a peg. Okay. But apart from that, really enjoyed it. Good yeah. fun. Uh, I was glad to remind you of the simpleton uh, saga <laughs> that you totally forgotten about. <laughs> totally forgotten about that. Dumbling. I remember when we did the Golden Goose, I was like, Adam, you found another trilogy. And you were like, yeah. And then it, we just never picked the, uh, this story. I think I even told you the the final one was called The
0: Three Feathers. <laughs> I just well, forgot about it. That totally <laughs> got forgotten. So it's a nice surprise. A surprising
1: trilogy. Yeah. So I'm thinking, I gave the Queen Bee 6.5 and the Golden Goose 5.5. And I think I just said that this is my favourite, maybe? Yeah, you did. So, so. I th- I'm thinking 6.5. I don't quite know if I'm willing to go up to a 7. I think it would be 7. But... Re- Competitively saying fat toad has knocked it down 6.5
0: okay so that's half a point's worth that's been knocked off by that yeah okay so uh respectable 6.5 i
1: think yeah and i think i think the justification behind 6.5 is literally just the tableau of King with popcorn in his beard. <laughs>
0: that wasn't in the story.
1: <laughs> two yeah it was two brothers looking up at a ring on the ceiling with a woman jumping through it, and then two uh, peasant women with broken arms and legs below yeah. them. Just that just that freeze frame.
0: That that's it's 6. a six point five yeah. right there
1: already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't so, argue uh, with that logic.
0: So I've given six point five, you went seven. Thirteen point five out of twenty. Not bad. Not bad at all. Not bad. <laughs> well, I'd say this uh this series is off to a pretty good start. I have enjoyed those two stories. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Wow, lucky us. Lucky us. (laughs) But what's next then?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, unfortunately, uh, it's about to go severely downhill. Next time we've got a story called The Good Bargain. Uh Uh-huh. And an early warning, not going to be an especially fun episode. Uh, It's going to be quite uncomfortable, so if you just want fun, we'll see you in four weeks for the little peasant. (laughs) But hopefully it'll be interesting uh, nonetheless.
0: You've certainly piqued my interest. Good. If made me a little uncomfortable.
1: Okay. Well, just wait. But tonight we've had a lot of fun. We have. And before we go, I think uh, it's time to do
0: a few more patron shout-outs. Definitely. Yeah, so we've got so many lovely patrons. We, uh... We thought we wouldn't read them out all at once, so we're sort of doing a few at a time. That um, wasn't
1: an early idea, wasn't it? We were going to put some mu- put some <laughs> epic music on and then Adam was going to try and read all of them out, but we, uh, we decided against
0: that in the yeah. end. Yeah, so we're doing uh, a few at a time. So today we would like to thank these lovely patrons. Thank you to Lucy Hines, Timothy Rogers, Molly Margaret, Lev, Matthew Knight, Robert Boyle, Julia Larmor, Anne O'Mahony, Katie Donadio, Nina Fern, Nick Pooley, No Time to Loose, (laughs) Sean Colbath, and Sadie Labram.
1: Welcome to the castle. Thank you. I'm I'm sure you've been here a long time. (laughs) 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 Thank you so much, guys. Thank you.
0: It means a lot. Especially No
1: Time to Lose. Very <laughs> clever little pun. Yeah, very clever. To Lose.
0: Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. It's been a joy. It's been confusing. It's been a little bit um, discombobulating would be the word, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're still here. I was just leaving. I just heard you and I've come
0: back. Oh, sorry. Are you talking? Okay. Yeah, I was talking. Yeah, I thought yeah, you yeah. were still there. Okay. No, no, i gotta, I got to shoot, mate. You better go. Um, um, yeah. Well. Well, adios, amigo. See you soon. Are you still talking? Sorry, I'd gone again. Oh, okay. You're still talking. Okay, okay. okay. Sorry. What was it? What what were you saying? No, no, that's nothing. Nothing? You should go now. Um, Okay. Well, keep it grim. Ciao, ciao. See you. Keep it grim. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash grimreading to find out how and also see the range of benefits available as a thank you from us. You can, of course, email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at grim Reading Pod, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook, at GrimReading. You can find us on Podbean, podbean.com, slash GrimReading. And we also have a website, GrimReading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim.